2: Brian Hi,
0: everybody. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show on this President's Day, and we'll make sure to emphasize that throughout the day, where many people are off, banks are closed. If it's in New York City, they've never been open, Uh, basically. uh, Everyone's pretty much not there. Uh, But for the most part, it's a time to look back at our presidents, not to be embarrassed by them. But if you're in San Francisco, you're probably taking them off your school today, and including Senator Feinstein, who never became president, thankfully. Hope you had a great weekend, and we have a lot to discuss. Of course, this is a weekend like no other, like just about everything that we say almost all the time. If you're in Texas or throughout the South, you've been iced over, literally. If you uh, watched over the weekend, you saw your second impeachment in two years. And again president trump escapes so this hour we're going to be uh we're going to go over that uh with some of our guests including congressman mike turner uh, who voted not to impeach him in the house and he witnessed things in the uh what we saw with the senate yesterday there was some surprises you have seven vote against the president uh two were a bit of a surprise to me but let's get to
3: the big three
2: now with the stories you need to know it's brian's big three number three
3: uh, well what's interesting right now is that you have a lot of democrats in the new york state legislature going after him they're calling for his emergency powers to be revoked so things are a little bit different where you're seeing members of his own party uh, and other allies yeah. uh, taking their shots on behalf of these families
0: lee zeldin telling the truth governor andrew Cuomo has never been in this much political peril and as bipartisan calls are growing for him to strip him of his emergency powers since his top aides have admitted his administration downplayed the number of nursing home residents who have died in the coronavirus as he says it doesn't matter they died it does matter they wouldn't have in many cases he hasn't spoken publicly since the scandal broke could we hear from him today we'll bring you the latest
1: Number two. So, what we know from the from the literature, from the scientific literature, is that most disease transmission does not happen in the walls of the school. It comes in from the community. There's very limited um, transmission between students, between students and staff.
0: Uh, yeah. Can we get back to school, please? That's the new CDC director speaking on behalf of herself and the CDC. COVID crisis. New interest on where the focus of the pandemic should have been all along, where President Trump put it on and was ridiculed all along for harping on China and Wuhan and the force that is the WHO. Why did we rejoin them again? That's my biggest question. Opening up schools too, matters to me and should matters to you. Now there are new and now there are no excuses. I'll explain.
4: Number one. President Trump is still liable for everything he did while he was in office, didn't get away with anything yet.
5: I voted to convict President Trump because he is guilty.
0: Yeah, nice. Uh, Picking up the pieces. Impeachment leaves no winners. We look at what happened, where Trump and the Republican Party uh, goes from here. And there's a lot to discuss. First off, I don't understand uh, what Mitch McConnell was doing. I mean, he says, I'm not going to vote for impeachment because you can't impeach a president that's gone. It's like throwing somebody out of the game that's at home watching on his television. You can't do it. He said, constitutionally, you had me at let's start. That means I wanted to end it. But his speech at the end was absolutely ridiculous. It was as if we were to, he we was at his therapist and just wanted to say how bad he thinks Donald Trump is and, and how wrong it was the way he acted. And he was upset having a tantrum. Does anyone think about the next day? I don't care if you're Liz Cheney and voted for impeachment. She's as conservative as conservative can be. I don't care if you're the ultimate Trumper like Matt Gates. He's as conservative as conservative can be. I don't care if you're Donald Trump, Lindsey Graham, It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, your goal should be to win. That's it. And the only way to do that is with Donald Trump. It doesn't mean he necessarily has to lead on every issue. It doesn't mean that you have to pretend as if everything that he does or has tweeted when he used to is something you 100% agree with. But what he was doing was more effective than any Republican president since Ronald Reagan. He was doing exactly what he said he was going to do on immigration. I could run through his whole report card. I don't want to bore you to death. But for him to govern the way he did, and under the firestorm that he did, some of which he created, the Russia thing was all over him. The Ukraine call was, uh, was uh, ill-advised, but certainly not impeachable. With one major story after another, not a 9-11, but a political story and a political attack after another, he still got a lot done. And without him, you're not going to win. Can anyone understand that besides maybe Lindsey Graham? First off, a little of the venting. If you had something to do Saturday afternoon, like rake, uh, it was more important than watching this, but it's important. Cut to.
4: The people who stormed this building believed they were acting on the wishes and instructions of their president. And having that belief was a foreseeable consequence of the growing crescendo of false statements, conspiracy theories, and reckless hyperbole which the defeated president kept shouting into the largest megaphone on planet Earth. There's no question, none, that President Trump is practically and morally responsible for provoking the events of the day. No question about it. January 6th was a disgrace. American citizens attacked their own government. They used terrorism to try to stop a specific piece of domestic business they did not like. President Trump is still liable for everything he did while he was in office.
0: Okay. What was the point of that? I mean, I would expect Pat Toomey or Liz Cheney or Senator Cassidy, Mitt Romney to make those statements. But you're the leader of the party. Uh, Do you agree with Mitt Romney all the time? Didn't he screw you up? Did John McCain stab you in the back uh, on on uh, your slimmed down version of Obamacare? Yeah. Did did Donald Trump let you down after January 6th? Yeah. But how did you vote? You voted not to impeach him. What do you have to do? You have to govern the next day. You have to lead a party that barely lost the House, barely lost the Senate. And had a president get 75 million votes more than any other Republic, Republican president in your lifetime. You have to just see, look around, you got six years left in your term. You're not going to run it for re-election. You're too old. Can you try to win? And that's Lindsey Graham's point. Cut 17.
6: Now I think Senator McConnell's speech, he got a load off his chest, obviously. But unfortunately, he put a load on the back of Republicans. That speech you will see in 2022 campaigns. I would imagine if you're a Republican running in uh, arizona or georgia or new hampshire where we have a chance to take back the senate they may be playing senator mcconnell's speech and asking you about it as a candidate and i imagine if you're an incumbent republican there are going to be people asking you will you support senator mcconnell in the future
0: yeah does it make any sense i mean it was unbelievable it was unbelievable and that's why one time i in my life i agree with nancy pelosi you're a coward Either vote for impeachment, blow up your own career, blow up the president's legacy, and then pick up the pieces with somebody else in leadership because you'll never have it again. Or just keep your powder dry for your memoirs because you did a lot with him. Uh, Hundreds of uh, judge seats, uh, tax reform, criminal justice reform. You guys got a lot done. If you want to know why people tolerated Donald Trump, even though this behavior was, let's say, unorthodox, some people loved it. It's because he was doing the agenda he was hired to do. He empowered people who had the expertise from Marco Rubio in, in South America and in the Cuban policy to Lindsey Graham uh, and General Jack Keane helping out on foreign affairs. He empowered people to do their expertise, the trade deals, the way he took on China. This is the things the Republicans have been talking about doing. That's why they tolerate it. That's why Lindsey Graham kind of likes him as a person, but saw he was effective as a leader and thought he could affect his behavior a little. Cut 18.
6: To the Republican Party, if you want to win and stop a socialist agenda, we need to work with President Trump. We can't do it without him. And to you, President Trump, you need to build the Republican Party stronger. I'm into winning. And if you want to get something off your chest, fine, but I'm into winning.
0: And that 's not going to help, so real quick on the covid uh on covid nineteen forty to fifty million have been vaccinated. That is great news. The numbers are going down it 's great news there 's two hundred million vaccines available that 's great news now it 's time for all you governors and mayors to get your kids back in school for the longest time. They let local jurisdictions decide what'll work. They gave loose guidelines well the official guidelines came out and they're not earth shaking five specifically about what you need to do about spacing and distance and the masks and the hallways and how to go about it and keep the kids apart but there is no reason why millions of kids cannot be in school it is you know the risk is not great and even dr fauci came out and said not every teacher needs to be vaccinated now what happens when you're vaccinated you don't need to quarantine that is finally if you get contact traced. Good news. They're looking at whether kids should get this or not. They're doing studies now to see if there's any negative effect. But here's what Dr. Rochelle Walensky said, speaking for herself and the CDC. Cut 23.
1: Even in the areas of the highest community spread, we are advocating with the strict mitigation measures that you described, including universal and mandatory masking, as well as six foot of distancing, that at least our K-5 to children should be able to get back to school, um, at least in a hybrid mode.
0: Yeah, I think so. More than one day a week. I think so. We already have 67 million kids back in school, or or 67% of the country, rather, back in school Bob, more than one day a week, even though some ridiculous Jen Psaki, who gets in total pass on all her ridiculous comments, comes out and says, we're looking for one day a week. One day a week is a goal. It's an aspirational goal. That is an acquiescence, and it's a destruction, a destructive goal. Meanwhile, on the rescue package, kind of interesting because uh, we haven't even spent the money that we've given schools already. It turns out there is some Republican buy in to this one point nine trillion. Why? If you're a Republican mayor and you need some money, you don't have it and someone's going to give it to you. You want it. So with some Republican governors, too, because the tax base has been decimated. But what bothers me most, I hear New York is getting 50 billion dollars. you got to be kidding me. New York is getting rewarded for destroying small businesses and not even trying to get people back to work. So they want 350 billion handed out to major cities and states. And there are some governors in Oklahoma, mayors over in California, Republicans over in Fresno, that said, hey, you know what? I would take the money, but you're not gonna take the minimum wage. You're not going to uh, the $15 minimum wage. You actually have to push back in the 1.9 trillion because soon that bill is going to be due. Next, get this: 64.8% of students K through 12 already attending school. That's 64. So that's the exact numbers. So the rescue plan is asking for 130 billion dollars alone for improvement of schools. But get this: Congress already approved 68 billion in two separate plans that was issued, and so far, school districts have only spent. Four billion dollars. And we're pretending as if money is the issue. This is why if Republicans put their hand up and say, excuse me, uh, we haven't spent the money. We have not spent the money that's there. There's evidently one point five trillion sitting from past rescue packages and we're getting one point nine more trillion and we can't spend the money. As I was just talking to a lawmaker over the weekend, he was saying, You don't know how hard it is in these bureaucracies to spend money, believe it or not, because all these people got to check off on all these other things and there's multiple agendas at place. So, any other walk of life, if you still have billions left, you don't beg for billions more. We have 68 billion set aside, 4 billion spent, and we're about to get 130 billion more. I'm all for schools. But they're not open, they're not spending, and they're asking for more money. Please tell me where the logic is. one 408 When we come back, I'll take some of your calls. we got the congressman at the bottom of the hour. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show on President's Day.
2: Holding our politicians' feet to the fire no matter who they are.
7: That's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house
2: Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show.
8: Because our side would have called, we would have called the Sergeant of Arms. We would have called Officer Son, the head of the Capitol, the former head of the Capitol Hill Police. We would have called Speaker Pelosi, because ultimately she's the person in charge of Capitol Hill. She's the Speaker of the House, and she's in charge of everything around Capitol Hill. And look, there are some key facts. That the Democrats didn't want to talk about, like the fact that the pipe bombs were discovered before the president's speech, like the fact that the FBI knew there was a planned attack, like the fact that the president said peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard, and maybe most important, the fact that they didn't want was Officer Sun had asked for the National Guard to be present there beforehand. So the reason they pulled back is we were going to call those witnesses.
0: Why Jim Jordan's not a lawyer, I'll never understand. Because he put together a killer case all the time, and I've seen him go on other channels and do the same thing. Really sold it. Uh, he also was on there with Alan Dershowitz, and Dershowitz says, "Look, it's not a great day for America, uh, but it was a great day for the Constitution because you can't, you cannot impeach a, a president that's no longer in office. That's what it be for. It should be for expulsion." Uh, Joe is listening on WRCN Long Island. Hey, Joe.
9: Brian, good morning. Listen, I lost my train of thought the other day. I'm sorry. Thanks for bailing me out. But listen, Cole, I want to go. i I'm, I'm jump on to Como. He should resign today. I was trying to say this was malicious intent, what he did with that executive order. That's what I was saying. It wasn't just negligent homicide, what I think. He put these elderly in after he, on March 20th, after we had people die in uh, Washington State and Peconic Landing and New Jersey in a nursing home, he had Matilda's law. He had this big press conference named after his mom. And he said, the most vulnerable, we must protect them. Yes. No people compromise immunity. And then he does March 25th and puts him in the nursing home in secret. Nobody knew about this. Then we found out the immunity cause, uh, which I said indemnify whatever, the nursing homes, and the hospitals, he gave them immunity, he, and, and then he turned. That's diabolical to do that. Everybody knew it spread like wildfire. Then he writes a book on leadership. It's fair leadership. He asked Trump to, for the COVID ship to convert it because he wasn't putting anybody in, was, uh, into the COVID ship. So he converted it for millions and millions of dollars to make it COVID acceptable to the ship there. Uh, Army Corps engineers. Stony Brook Hospital. They built. They never even used them. They built uh, Long hey,
0: University. I hear you. You know what's interesting? We've been saying this, and and no one's listening because he said they like, laud Cuomo and said what a great leader he is, and and how everyone knew it was in you know it hit here first, and he was able to to dodge the boat and lead us through the fire. And I never believed it. I think he's been awful and arrogant, and that's coming out now. Remember, here's what he said when this was brought up to him at a press conference. Cut thirty seven.
10: If you think there was a mistake, then go talk to the Federal Government. It is not about pointing fingers or blame, it is that this became a political football. The report also. says the information from nursing homes is often uh, incorrect. It doesn't mean people didn't die, and it doesn't mean people won't die today. That is the curse of COVID. Why COVID? Why did God do this? Uh, I don't know. Right. But who cares? 33, 28 died in a hospital, died in a nursing
7: home.
0: They died. Okay. Uh, thanks for the call, Joe. Here, here's the thing. <laughs> we don't look to Andrew Cuomo to uh, to tell us why God did this. Just so you know, governor, we're not depending on you to answer that question, even though you think you are the only one that could. Number 2. Maybe if you don't bring them back to nursing homes, they don't die and the people around them don't die. That's the point. And then he brought up a little bit later, my dad died. I wanted to be I wanted to blame somebody. Yeah, great analogy. That really works. When we come back, Congressman Mike Turner on the impeachment, and where Republicans go from here, then your calls again. This is the Brian Kilmeade show on President's Day. Thanks so much for being with us.
11: Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to FoxNewsPodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Fast as three
2: hours in radio, you're with Brian Kilmeade.
4: President Trump is still liable for everything he did while he was in office. Didn't get away with anything Yeah, Yeah.
5: His actions to interfere with the peaceful transition of power, the hallmark of our Constitution and our American democracy. We're in abuse of power. I voted to convict President Trump because he is guilty.
0: Those were Republican voices, seven of them overall, 10 in the House. But not many people were swayed. Maybe Senator Cassidy was the one that surprised me. And, you know, he's a conservative guy and he's since been rebuked. But and he was rebuked, uh, I guess, censored by in Louisiana for for voting that way, as was Ben Sass, as was Liz Cheney. They got local repercussions from what they did. I'm not sure how Mitt Romney's received in Utah. Uh, the president gets about 60 percent of the vote there, but not, you know, usually Republicans get about 80 percent of the vote there. I'm not sure how that's going. But Pat Toomey is heading the scene. Senator Burr was a surprise for me. I know he is retiring in a couple of years. So seven overall but they the way they blew that thing up yesterday on Saturday saying out of nowhere I get this alert they're calling witnesses if they call witnesses we would be in an impeachment trial till July and the republicans said fine i got about 200 i'd like to bring up let's begin with Nancy Pelosi and then we'll we'll start uh, we're going to talk to everybody about what they knew about this whole event before it happened why they blew off all these security uh, opportunities for the national guard there and what the mayor uh, the mayor of Washington DC blew off and how she didn't want any presence and the national guard could be there, but they had to be in the background and they couldn't be armed. Then, then all of a sudden you have a true a full blown investigation by people who don't know how to investigate. Joining me now is uh Republican Congressman Mike Turner, Congressman Turner. Welcome back. Brian, thanks
8: for having me. Good to talk to you.
0: So uh, you heard those Republican voices. What, do you, what would you say to them?
8: Well, Brian, I think you're absolutely right about uh, the, um, the call by Democrats at the last second to call witnesses really is the is the evidence that was missing in this case. Um, you know the, the Constitution is not a technicality; uh, it's not a procedural issue. Um, I voted no in the House because this was a rushed uh, impeachment There were no hearings, there was no information uh, that that was deliberated by the House before it was sent to the Senate, uh, and for them to all of a sudden say we're going to call witnesses was really an admission that the stories. Um, and Twitter feeds and was incomplete, as you were saying. We have no information about uh, what were the um, what was the information that they had about the security situation that day, uh, what security forces should be in place. You know, Brian, I think that the, the biggest point in all this is that you know the Democrats...
0: Yeah, we're losing you a little bit, Congressman. It's
8: going sorry. in and out? So can you um, repeat that again? Yeah, the, what, what's what's really I think the best point is that. As Donald Trump was coming into office, the Democrats said they wanted to impeach him. And then now he's out of office and they voted again to impeach him.
0: Right. But as I said before, in retrospect, Donald Trump's worst weeks were after the election of his four years in office. And I wish he would have handled it differently, would have made your life a lot easier. Maybe Senator Portman doesn't retire. Um, You know, it was disheartening to see how it went. The mail-in voting, there were huge problems. Uh, But I'm not sure they were corruption. If that, I'm not capable of doing the investigation, a good illegal team would. But what happened after further divided the country. But again, Democrats overstepped in bringing us through an impeachment process, which is probably the most tedious, biggest waste of time. We've now seen it up close and personal as a country twice in two years. Congressman, this has got to stop.
8: Brian, you're absolutely right, and and you know certainly the president's actions fell short of a peaceful transition of of power, and I think certainly everybody is very disappointed in what happened after the election, and and are horrified by the pictures of the violence that occurred uh, at the Capitol, um, and you know certainly uh, it was a very sad day day for America, but as as you are pointing out, you know throughout the country there have been cities that have been burning, there's been demonstrations, violent demonstrations, um, you know the uh, the president uh, had to go into a secure location at the White House when the White House was yep. was um, surrounded and the National Guard had to be called out. Uh, and At that point, uh, the mayor said the president didn't have any authority to call out the National Guard. Of course, now they're saying, well, the president should have called out the National Guard uh, in this instance. So it, it, there's so many contradictions that I think that are leaving people very angry about what they're seeing across the country. But certainly violence is not the
0: answer. Absolutely. We're talking to Iowa Congressman uh, Turner about where you go from here. So everybody's speculating what ha- where the Republican Party does. Are you going to be with Trump or against Trump? I think Lindsey Graham had the best point. He's like, you're not going to be able to do anything apart. I mean, Republicans are already outnumbered now. If you decide to have a, uh, a Lincoln project, we saw with a farce and a scandal, and how abusive that organization was. They existed just to be against one person. They collected a lot of money. And they look like they lined their pockets or doing some horrible criminal behavior. But if you want to be with the Liz Cheney faction or the Mitch McConnell faction and Donald Trump faction, uh you will if you're gonna sit in your corner, you guys aren't gonna win anything. You're gonna lose that Ohio seat. You're gonna lose that Pennsylvania seat, you're gonna lose that North Carolina seat and talk about it in the Senate.
8: Right, and you so you certainly put Ohio in play. Um the um We have to come together. Uh, This is a party that can that can fit everyone. Um, You know, it's not a party about one person. It's about principles. Um, The president's uh, you know America First agenda was a Republican agenda. Um, We've got a great record of the past four years that that we can see uh, that made a difference for America. Uh, President Biden's doing his best as fast as he can to undo it, and we're going to see the effects of that. We're going to see that. Um, that, that we're going to start going in the wrong direction. We're going imp- He's going to negatively impact our economy. Uh, these are principles that all Republicans support. We need to get behind them and stay one party.
0: So when this comes to this rescue package, it's going to do a simple majority in the House and it's through. There's a restoring in the Washington Post today saying they're getting some Republican buy-in because local mayors and governors uh, in some red states are just flat out uh, out of money, even though a lot of the money from the rescue packages has not been spent yet in the past. The mayor of uh, Fresno comes to mind. The, there's uh, some mayors in Oklahoma come to mind. So $1.9 trillion could pass on reconciliation, simple majority. And if Senator Cinnamon, and Senator Manchin don't step up, it's going to happen. Where do you stand on this?
8: Well, I'm, you know, this is, I, I think, a travesty, and it certainly shows um, the uh, disingenuousness of, of President Biden. He gives a speech saying, you know, we need to have unity. We need to come together, and this will be the first COVID package that was not done um, on a bipartisan basis. Uh, President Trump, uh, Mitch McConnell, um, everyone worked together to make certain that we had bipartisan. Almost all of the um, COVID packages we had passed overwhelmingly, um, and here uh, they've started with a partisan package. Uh, So, you know, this is unfortunate, and and largely because— there's a whole bunch of their liberal agenda that they want to put in this that has nothing to do uh, with uh, with COVID, fighting COVID, helping the American public, helping those who need assistance and, and helping businesses.
0: So we know you guys went back to playing sports, right? Where are you guys at in Ohio with schools?
8: Uh, many schools are open um, and completely um, and, and, and it's working. Um, the, um, and, and I think it's so incredibly important. Uh, students need to be in school so their parents can go to work. Um, and also so that they can get instruction in person with their, their teachers. Um, and and uh, you know, what we're seeing here, that, that obviously um, virtual school has negative results uh, for, for academic performance, and, and students back in school make a
0: difference. So I'm not sure what's happening in San Francisco and in Chicago and in Philadelphia, but the CDC director kindly is saying for the ninth time they should be back in school, Listen to what she said, trying to be diplomatic yesterday, uh, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, Cut 21.
1: So what we know from the from the literature, from the scientific literature, is that most disease transmission does not happen in the walls of the school. It comes in from the community. There's very limited um, transmission between students, between students and staff. Um, really, mostly between staff to staff when there are breaches in mask wearing. So what we're really advocating for now is um, working to get our, in, especially in the in the high areas of transmission, the red zones you just talked about, getting our to K- five kids back in a hybrid mode with universal mask wearing and 6 feet of distancing. So
0: why what is the problem? We have 50 million vaccinated. We have we made teachers a priority in most states. How how can we get through to these districts that they, this this staying home is not working?
8: You know, obviously it, this has this, I believe it has nothing to do with COVID and really has to do with the social structure of our schools. Um, you know, so many times we're always having to fight a, a liberal agenda that tries to undo our, our schools and, and the academic performance and substitute um, academic programming for just the basic STEM, you know, science, math. <clears throat> um, these, um, um, these programs are, are incredibly important for students and they need to be done in person. Um, I, I, um, I, I feel for the, 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 the parents that are in these communities that have their, their students and want them back in school. I know many parents are trying to do homeschooling themselves because the remote programs that schools are putting in places are, are just not sufficient.
0: Yeah, the, the kids can't concentrate, and, they, and they're just walking away. Listen to this. You guys are asking the rescue package that Democrats want is $130 billion to improve schools, okay? Do you know they've already approved? So you guys have approved sixty-eight billion so far, and you've only spent four. And you want another hundred thirty billion?
8: Right. These How does are that slush make sense? funds, and most yeah, these are just slush funds, and most of these go to the states, and then uh, the states do shell games with them I, it, for for real COVID costs, for real needs, uh, for real uh, individuals who are hurting. Um, you know, Congress has stepped up, and we've provided funding. Uh, this this is obviously. Um, you know, the president passing a partisan package uh, to um, to respond to his his left wing base. And that's why he's not even starting negotiating uh, with the, the Republican side. I mean, he's not even having uh, discussions and negotiations. They're all doing this in backdoor deals and drafting this bill uh, with the full intent that this is going to be the first partisan covid bill.
0: All right. Uh, Congressman, are you thinking about that sentence?
8: I'm taking a look at it. I am, Brian. I, I think, uh, you know, there's there's a lot that needs to be done. Uh, the, I think uh, we need to make certain that there are Republicans sitting in that seat. Um, and um, I think, um, you know, Mitch and, and uh, Lindsey Graham, they need help. Uh, so I'm, I'm taking a strong look at it, Brian.
0: So, have you, so you've talked to people?
8: Absolutely. Well, actually, I, I had people immediately on the phone calling me and asking me to get in the race. Uh, you know, I served as mayor for the city of Dayton, and uh, I serve on the Armed Services Committee and Intelligence Committee. You certainly know my work uh, in defending yep. the president in the first impeachment. Um, and so, uh, you know, as a result of of their request, I'm taking a strong look at it.
0: All right. Um, and you are somebody that understands that the t- party has to come together or they have no shot.
8: Absolutely. And also that, that the president has a great record. I mean, what we accomplished in the last four years together was incredibly important, but we need everybody in this party. Uh, we need pro-Trump and and those who who couldn't vote for for Donald Trump but voted for Republican members of Congress and the Senate. Uh, we need everybody to stay one party so that we can defeat the liberal agenda and and the uh, uh, the policies that Joe Biden are going to be putting in place.
0: It, well, we're seeing it. I mean, please. I mean, what's happening at the border? What happened with the XL pipeline? Uh, what's happening with this green agenda? Um, what's happening with the rejoining the WHO and the Paris climate? This is this happened in in days, so. You got to stop the bleeding somehow, and it's got to—it's got to be just by by winning seats. Uh, well, Congressman, Gale, let us know. Uh, and of course, you know we've got our great affiliate WHIS. So let us all know what your next uh, what your next step is.
8: Brian, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it, and thank you for getting the message out for everybody on these issues. People learn a lot in, on your program, and it's very important.
0: Oh, thanks Thanks for saying that Congressman Appreciate it uh, And happy President's Day When we come back it's your turn to talk 1-866-408-7669 I like these days because For many of you you're off your, your schedule's different So maybe you're listening to the show for the first time Or maybe you're listening and you can call for the first time 1-866-408-7669 Because you're not at work
2: Getting
11: past all the rhetoric It's Brian Kilmeade With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News Podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com.
2: The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
0: And there was one officer in this room who actually had two jobs. Number one, to be Washington's aide throughout the year. And number two... Assemble and run aspiring. Aspiring whose goal was simple. Find a way to provide the intelligence to allow America to know what the British were up to and win back New York. Without which we cannot win the war. They became so good and proficient at what they did, their work was indispensable. And their identities were not known to anyone. Not even Washington at the time. Top secret to historians of the 1920s. Now we know what they did and we know who they are. They are the culprits. And that's a little from what made America great. A look at the George Washington spies. We were able to go and go ahead and and bring George Washington's Secret Six that you probably read, I hope, and bring that to life and go to the actual spots where George Washington assembled his spy ring and actually never met most of them in person. We went back to the where Washington said goodbye to one of them and uh, where Morton Pennypacker put the whole story together in 1930. And without these spies, we don't win the war. So on this President's Day, I thought it would be kind of cool for you to get Fox Nation and go to What Made America Great. Uh, that is now up now. It's two parts. So let's go to the phones, and let's go out to uh, David, uh, listening at WHIO. Hey, David. How are you doing today? Good. What's on your mind?
10: Thanks for having me on. Uh, I just wanted to make a couple comments after after our congressman was on. Uh, he's a great guy, and I, we really appreciate having him here in Ohio.
0: Do you think he, can, he can win the, the Senate seat?
10: walking around the Capitol.
12: But, um. I just wanted to make a couple of comments here. The,
11: the they want another 1.9 trillion dollars. That is one heck of a lot of grease. Okay, who's going to end up with the money? Who? You know, we're almost 30 trillion
10: dollars in debt now with 100 million people working. That's 300 grand a piece. How are we ever going to pay that back?
0: Never, never will. But they say money's cheap now, so they can do it. That's ridiculous.
5: It is crazy. So. Well, those were my comments. And I just well, what do you think? Do you I, think I, Congressman I think Turner can
0: be the senator? Can Do you think he can be can win that Senate seat?
5: I'd like to see him do it. I'll vote for him. Hell All right. yeah. All
0: right. Good job, David. I'm sure he's listening. Steve, listening to WDBO in Orlando. Hey, Steve.
5: Hi. Uh, I just want to go ahead and say one of the problems that we have is we're not holding the Democrats' feet to the fire and holding them to the same standards we're being held to. Another thing is, is there is no, this is not the time nor the place to have weak leadership on the Republican side in Washington. And last but not least, um, Republican leadership needs to lead, follow, or get out of the way.
0: Yeah, I don't know what Mitch McConnell was doing. I, I mean, what was that? That was a therapy session for him. You know, he was making himself feel better about himself. But as Lindsey Graham said, he's providing... 30-second spots for Democrats to run against his party. It made no sense. You vote one way, and then you do eviscerate everybody that sports President Trump. Uh, let's go out to Al. Listen, on KDWN in Las Vegas. Al.
9: Hey, hi. How you doing, Brian? Thanks for taking my call. Listen, um, uh, this is step number one that the Republican Party has to do. We got to get that monkey off of Donald Trump's back that he was responsible for these riots.
10: Because he was not. The people that were responsible for Donald Trump going into the bunker and Senate going in, and the Senate going into those bunkers during these violence outbreaks were the people who were in charge of security. Donald Trump didn't get the proper security. That's why he had to go to the bunker, and that's exactly why the Senate had to go to the bunker. The people who are yeah, involved so, in security. So, Al,
0: that's a good point. That's an angle we have to investigate and find out why they were able to breach that. What if Al Qaeda tried to do that? You know, ISIS. Uh, What if they were here? Would they have had the same success? I think the answer is yes.
11: Fox Nation presents Podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak.
13: I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts.
2: From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi,
0: everyone. I'm Brian Kilmeade, coming to you from a special location heard in New York and around the country and around the world. The Brian Kilmeade Show comes to you on this President's Day. We all have our own presence. You want to reminisce about the one you want or the one we had, go ahead and call. And you know the phone number. Uh, keep in mind, too, we got a big hour coming your way. Standing by is New York Post's uh, finest. Uh, he's an outstanding columnist. Fox News contributor Michael Goodwin writes about what happened last night in impeachment. And Dr. Marty Macari. And he wants to make heads or tails over the new CDC guidelines that are uh, talking about the delay of opening up schools. Now there's absolutely no reason to do it. Uh, To not do it and get these kids back playing sports again in the upper Northwest. They're not still not playing football. They say you can play other sports, but not. It's just absolutely uh, it's maddening. So let's get to the big three.
2: Now, with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three.
3: Uh, Well, what's interesting right now is that you have a lot of Democrats in the New York State legislature going after him. They're calling for his emergency powers to be revoked. So things are a little bit different where you're seeing members of his own party uh, and other allies uh, taking their shots on behalf of these families.
0: Congressman Lee Zeldin of Long Island uh, weighing in, and it's another lawmaker in New York calling for an investigation of the nursing home handling and the cover-up that ensued from Governor Andrew Cuomo. And they want to take back the emergency powers they gave him and he's been abusive with it. His top aides admitted he downplayed the number of nursing home deaths. He has not spoken publicly since the scandal. And guess what? Because it's President's Day, he will not be speaking today. How convenient.
1: Number two. So what we know from the, from the literature, from the scientific literature, is that most disease transmission does not happen in the walls of the school. It comes in from the community. There's very limited um, transmission between students, between students and staff.
0: Didn't we know that? Haven't we been over that? But now it's in writing. COVID crisis, new interest on where the focus on the pandemic should have been, on China that Trump brought up from day one because of China. The WHO lied because of China. Why did we rejoin that organization? That's my biggest question, and opening up schools is something we all have to do right away. I'll explain.
4: Number one. President Trump is still liable for everything he did while he was in office. Didn't get away with anything
0: yet. I voted to
5: convict President Trump because he is guilty.
0: Some of the Republicans jumping ship, picking up the pieces. Impeachment leaves no winners. We look at what happened and where Trump... And the republicans can go from here you just heard senator cassidy and you just heard mitch mcconnell michael goodwin joins us now michael you wrote about this over the weekend the second one is done who wins
5: well look i think uh, brian that, that uh, trump wins <clears throat> by virtue of having been acquitted but there's no question that uh, Mitch McConnell and Cassidy and the others who voted against him certainly dinged him, and he cannot claim uh, complete victory. I mean, yes, of course, he walks away. He's free to run again. But I think that the the comments by McConnell and the votes uh, against him by other Republicans uh, are something of a warning sign about the party itself and the, the rough road he would face uh, if he tried to— reclaim the party's leadership and and run for president in 2024
0: a long way to go um mitch mcconnell some of his comments i don't want to play all of it but here's some of it for people who were doing something more important like shoveling snow over the weekend cut to
4: the people who stormed this building believed they were acting on the wishes and instructions of their president and having that belief was a foreseeable consequence of the growing crescendo of false statements conspiracy theories and reckless hyperbole which the defeated president kept shouting into the largest megaphone on planet earth
0: what is the point of this what was the point of that after this whole thing of series of speeches by the house managers and the president's lawyers he votes not to impeach and then rails against it
5: yeah, I, I think I mean, it was an interesting uh, set of situations, Brian. That uh, you had uh, 45 Republicans uh, voting that it was unconstitutional, that the trial itself was unconstitutional because the president was no longer president, Supreme Court Justice uh, Chief was not presiding. You had a you had a juror also acting as a judge, which is bizarre, of course, in any kind of court. Uh, but I think McConnell uh, really is is in this case speaking honestly. From his own perspective. Don't forget, he was the first major Republican to refer to Joe Biden as president elect. Uh, he clearly grew tired of Trump uh, continuing to claim that the election was stolen. He may have shared that in the beginning, but I think by the, by at some point, he got off the bus. Uh, also, I think that the situation in Georgia played a big role for McConnell. He really expected that he would continue to be majority leader. And all they needed to do was win one of the two seats in Georgia. They had had a pretty good election up to that point but why did why did Republicans lose both both Senate seats in the Georgia runoff? and I think uh, McConnell attributes that to Trump, and I think he's got a point. I, I think the president's conduct uh, the phone call to the Secretary of State, which is now being seriously investigated, uh, asking to find some more votes. Uh, the continuing attacks on the Republican governor uh, and the secretary of state. And I've seen some inside polling that suggests that the Republicans were doing well until Trump continued that assault on the governor, Brian Kemp and, and rappensberger the uh, secretary of state, and that this is this is what. From these Republicans, this is what suppressed the turnout for Republicans. That they that they were on track to win both of those seats, and in the end lost them both because the, the Republican voters just got dis, uh, discouraged right. and didn't come out to vote, and they blamed the president for that.
0: And believe me, uh, I I do think the president blew Georgia. I don't think he used that money ah. to run ads for the senators. And I do think the president's actions after the election, after the first couple of weeks when it became clear, they didn't have the case, didn't have the proof to back up the president's allegations, could have easily have invited Joe Biden to the White House and said, my people are still going to work on this, but I got to have a smooth transition. He would have won both those seats or at least one. But I'm thinking about strategically what's next. Mitch McConnell did nothing except clear his conscience. He hurt the party. He didn't help himself. He's never running again. And if that party's ever going to get back the majority in the remaining years he has left and the House, they're going to need Trump supporters. And pretending that Donald Trump doesn't have the majority of support from Republicans, dare I say, between seven and eighty five percent is just dumb. You're just being naive. So well, why did that I, I, help I, agree with
5: you. I, I agree with you that uh, you cannot the Republican Party, as it's constituted now, doesn't really exist without the Trump supporters uh, anywhere from, as you say, 70. 70 I saw one poll, you gov, that 80 uh, percent of Republicans would definitely or probably vote for Donald Trump in 2024 as president. Now. It's a long way off. A lot of things can happen, but and it's only one poll. But others have also shown a lot of support for Trump. And so right now there is no way for Republicans to win if the Trump voters peel off or stay home. And if Trump were to start a third party, um, it's hard to see how Republicans could ever win anything. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the Democrats, say what you will, they showed up together. Uh, they stayed united, despite really what are deeper ideological fractures than the Republicans have. The Republicans' fracture is largely around Donald Trump. And yet he pulled in 70, almost 75 million votes. So uh, you're right about McConnell. I mean, it, it, it's, he, he cleared his conscience and he cleared his throat. But uh, it's, not, it's not clear to me what that means for the future of the Republican Party.
0: True. I want to talk about Andrew Cuomo. This is the most political peril he has ever been in. I'm watching other networks running stories about what he did since that Zoom call or that conference call was made public where his chief assistant said that Donald Trump, the fear of Donald Trump criticism stopped them from telling everyone how many seniors died in nursing homes because of their move to get them out of hospitals and to bring back infected patients. How how vulnerable is he?
5: Well, uh, I think right now he's very vulnerable to public opinion. Um, and as you say, the networks that have been s- slavishly praising him for all during this pandemic because he was the alternative to Trump uh, now are beginning to catch up with their news stories. Uh, and it's interesting, too, Brian, that. You know, whoever leaked the tape recording to the New York Post uh, was a Democrat. Uh, There were only Democrats on the call. Uh, the, the, the governor 's staff and and others uh, talking to leaders of the Democratic Party in the legislature, so the Democrats hold both houses they don 't have to deal with the Republicans at all, and they don 't uh, so this was a Democrat, uh, and we heard on the call other Democrats directly refuting uh, the claim made by the governor 's uh, secretary that this was all you know uh, just uh, regrettable that we didn 't have time to deal with you. And her claim that we were dealing with the feds, we weren't sure what we were going to show them, and so we couldn't really show it to you. Uh, the, The people in the room fired back and said, that's B.S., You're lying to us because you had ample opportunity to work with us on the nursing home. Don't forget, one of the things that's been somewhat amazing here, Brian, is the legislators themselves, uh, their constituents are the ones who died. Their constituents are the grieving families. And so for them to be sitting on their hands, not to be criticizing Cuomo all this time, really, you wonder about their own futures. I mean, the families in these districts, they're the ones who lost people, and their representatives have done nothing about it. So I think they're starting to finally feel some pressure. And there are breakaway Democrats, the real far-left Democrats, who who despise Andrew Cuomo, despise his corporate donor base, uh, despise his politics, despise him personally, because he despises them. And so there's a lot of mutual hate among Democrats uh, and Andrew Cuomo they now have something on him. they now have leverage over him and this is going to be a very interesting week because, as you say, he hasn't spoken about this uh, they've been trying to to tamper down uh, the anger they've been uh, threatening some legislators, apparently the legislators on the call uh, we're all getting you know threatening calls from the cuomo people uh, and It feels like it's coming to some kind of a head, but we won't know unless there are real votes to take away these emergency powers that he was granted almost a year ago. And, you know, you, you, you talk about those, Brian, I mean, the arbitrariness. So, you know dining is closed okay it's open 25 percent, but only until 10 o'clock okay we'll move <laughs> it to ch- 11. i mean these kind of arbitrary things there's no meetings there's no consultation it's cuomo and one or two people sitting in a room making these arbitrary decisions that affect millions of people and michael and the, guess the what it is tired of it
0: that's why nine health, nine of his health care officials left they said he was running by press conference. They found out their policy positions by listening to his press conferences because he wasn't speaking to anybody. They had a pandemic response rehearsed since 9-11. He ripped it up, didn't like it. Now you have this Congressman uh, Antonio Delgado, uh, New York representative, a Democrat. He joins Ron Kim in asking for a full investigation and a rescission of his emergency powers. And now when people listen around the country, they might be saying, why is that a big deal? Well, because these Democratic governors are failing one is going to Governor Newsom had 60% approval rating a short time ago. Now they're recalling him. Governor, you're seeing the the reality catch up to Governor Cuomo and Pritzker has been a failure to the people of Illinois. And my only hope is your report card matters. You can have slick campaigns and a lot of focus groups and whatever you want, but we're seeing the results of these horrible policies And when given power, they abused that power and we're seeing it. And I'll tell you, I do the same thing as you do. I I don't go to a restaurant or a business and not ask how the business is going and what you could use to get better. And I also have been in Florida and I asked them and their their money is basically the same over the last six months to eight months as it was before the pandemic. And the numbers are less than New York. They're not perfect. They have challenges. But the, when the inspectors walk in, you know what they say? Guys, we need those masks on. All right, I like what you're doing here. I think you can maybe space these tables out. Do me a favor and uh, um, put a caution tape here or fold those tables in. It's too, they're too close. Do you know what they do in New York? They try to catch you, find you, and close you. Right. Without any right. training. They're not cops. Final well, and
5: and, and it, it, it's a punitive way of dealing with a crisis. And that, but that's Andrew Cuomo's nature. He is punitive by nature. Uh, his response to every situation is to condemn the people involved and announce there's going to be an investigation. Uh, this is what happens, Brian. You, you mentioned Chicago, Illinois, California, New York. These are effectively one-party states. And that's what you get. These governors feel politically uh, immune because the legislators are all weak and disorganized and because uh, there is no other party. And that's a real threat to them. And so you're left with the media. Which is sort of floundering around because you know understandably most media, if the other party isn't criticizing they don't they then don't feel confident to criticize themselves i mean they are they too are somewhat intimidated by this single party power and and I think we see that it's bad governance there's no check and balance the whole American system is based on check and balance, and these one-party governors, uh, uh, you know, they have escaped that. Protection, and we see the in, the out uh, the outcome right. of that is they don't listen. There's no consultation. There's no science. I mean, come on, they make this up as they go along. They they talk together. The whole thing with the nursing homes. Cuomo worked with the governor of New Jersey and Pennsylvania, and uh, a couple. And they of killed they, them
0: all. They killed they all killed
5: these killed people. Them all. And you look at those orders. The March 25th order in New gotcha. York was followed six days later by an almost identical. Uh, order gotcha. in new jersey so they they did this in in concert with each other it was all to defy trump it was all against us against them that was right. the approach and now that
0: he's gone i think that there's no coincidence that we're, he's getting the scrutiny michael thanks so much
5: my pleasure brian
0: michael goodwin your call's next brian Kilmicha.
11: From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum, the host of The Story on Fox News Channel, sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's
2: so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Governor Cuomo also announced that he will allow sporting venues to open starting February 23rd, but limit them to 10% capacity, better known as Jets level.
11: It's pretty funny.
0: It's, uh, yeah, the way the Mets used to be. Uh, Jets level, that's pretty funny. Uh, so Governor Cuomo was able to have 25%. He, he said 25% restaurants. He said 10%, so 1,000 people would go to the Knicks games. Do you have any other jokes from
13: SNL on Governor Cuomo? We're getting for you.
7: New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, who was the real life model for (laughs) Mo (laughs) Sizlack, announced that more New Yorkers will be eligible for the COVID vaccine beginning next week. New Yorkers will have to provide documentation of their condition and answer medical questions like, What's the matter, you?
4: Governor Cuomo.
0: I don't even get that.
13: It's like Does an anyone... Italian person <laughs> saying, what's the matter, you? Right?
0: Well, oh,
13: right. You what should know that. That's you... half of you. Yeah, but it's not funny. Well, I, I agree. Noticed...
0: What is that? What's talk... what is he talking about? Didn't they want to bring up the nursing home scandal to the Emmy Award winner? Or because he let them get ha- them in the studio, but they couldn't.
2: information you want truth you demand this is the brian kilmeade show
1: so what we know from the from the literature, from the scientific literature, is that most disease transmission does not happen in the walls of the school. It comes in from the community. There's very limited um, transmission between students, between students and staff. Um, really, mostly between staff to staff when there are breaches in mask wearing. So what we're really advocating for now is um, working to get our, especially in the in the high areas of transmission, the red zones you just talked about, getting our K-5 kids back in a hybrid mode with universal mask wearing and six feet of distancing.
0: All right. uh, That was the new CDC director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, saying uh, we got to get kids back to school. And she was not only speaking for the CDC, she was speaking for herself. Because I guess we have to make that clear now. Even though when uh, Jen Psaki, the press secretary, said that, well, Dr. Walensky was just speaking for herself when she said kids belong back in school, even though she was on a CDC She had the CDC in her in her backdrop and she was answering questions as the as the director. It doesn't make much sense. Let's bring in Dr. Marty Makari, Fox News contributor, uh, surgeon and a professor of health policy at Johns Hopkins. Dr. Makari, welcome back. Good to be with you, Brian. First off, uh, now that the rules to opening up schools and the recommendations are in writing, what changes? (laughs)
14: Well, the CDC guidelines are so burdensome that 90 percent of schools will not be able to open in person for grades K and above because it's created a massive infrastructure, a massive testing requirement. They've tied it to the local rate of infection in in the community, even though we know schools have safely operated through the entire pandemic. And so what you've seen here is basically ageism. Adults get to do what adults want to do but kids have to suffer right they don't lobby they don't vote they have no voice and so adults can go into planes wear masks as they do safely right and there's decent ventilation in the planes we get to do what we want but kids cannot meet in person how how do you explain planes being packed and schools being empty well here she goes on
0: to say kids should be in school cut 23
1: Even in the areas of the highest community spread, we are advocating with the strict mitigation measures that you described, including universal and mandatory masking, as well as six foot of distancing, that at least our K to five children should be able to get back to school, um, at least in a hybrid mode.
0: Okay. I mean, we don't know a hybrid mode could be three and two, could be one and five, could be four and one, but... You're saying that these are are burdensome, like if the schools are too, if if classrooms are too small and you can't separate six feet, what are you going to do? I mean, there are so many things you can do to accommodate some of these guidelines. Uh, And what about people that aren't abiding by them, but just going back to school like my district right now?
14: Well, I hope that most school districts do not abide by the CDC guidelines. They are unscientific, and I hope people recognize they're purely advisory. Now, yes, masking should be something that everyone should do. I'm not suggesting f- folks ignore that piece of it. And the distancing should actually be three feet, not six feet, because that's where there's good expert consensus for kids. Now, six feet was developed for adults. We can't just superimpose that on kids. And that's a big difference. The difference between three and six feet is 100% difference in the number of kids you can put in a, a classroom, right? That's that You can put double the kids' in person. And I think what we're forgetting is that a kid is 10 times more likely to die of suicide than they are from coronavirus. Our research from Hopkins has shown that in looking at half of the nation's health insurance health data, there's not a single healthy child who's died of coronavirus to date. Okay, now maybe there is a case out there, but in looking at half of the data, not a single kid without a chronic condition who has died. Meanwhile, We're dealing with food insecurity, growing hunger crisis, mental illness, sexual abuse, suicide. People have to wake up at the CDC and recognize it's not just we're uh, striving towards zero cases. It's improving the overall health and saving lives among children.
0: My fear is unions are going to look at these guidelines and, and use that as leverage not to go back to school.
14: They're already doing it. They love these guidelines because the reality is, is that they're stalling on the reopening, right? The more burdens you can create, the more requirements, a, a testing infrastructure. I mean, give me a break. Do We We don't even have that for, for planes. Can you imagine a testing requirement for restaurants? What, what did the CDC have to say about that? So the unions love it. Now, the word on the street is, and you may be aware of this, is that the Biden folks who, by the way, campaigned on listening to the scientists, right? They are trying to uh, accommodate the unions by dragging their feet. And that's why, even though there was a CDC report issued in September when the Biden folks took office, they asked for another report. Well, guess what? I like the September report better than the one that came out on Friday.
0: So there have been guidelines in place?
14: Yeah, the CDC issued guidelines on how schools should reopen in September, and they were excellent. And they gave good advice. And they actually had a tiering structure, like the one that came out on Friday. It had five categories. The one on Friday came out with had four categories. So why are we redoing this? And we know the CDC takes weeks to read the literature and put out a report. So when you take office and say well, I want the CDC to put out another report, you're basically stalling three weeks. And now the stuff in there is going to stall another
0: several weeks. It's, uh, it's incredible because Dr. Fauci said yesterday, we've had the guidelines, but we never had them written down before.
14: Yeah, it's, it is amazing that he said that. Um, and by the way, whatever happened to just listening to the experts, you saw as you played uh, Dr. Walensky, the director of the CDC speak as an expert, right, as the head of infectious diseases at Harvard's MGH Hospital, and the White House sort of distances themselves. So whatever happened to to listening to the experts, I'm going to read to you something from the Journal of the American Medical Association. There is little evidence to suggest that schools contribute to the transmission of the virus. Okay, you know who wrote that? Who? The CDC leaders, the top experts at the CDC. They wrote that IN OUR TOP MEDICAL JOURNAL THREE WEEKS AGO. SO ARE WE LISTENING TO THEM OR ARE WE CREATING MORE BUREAUCRACY TO BUY TIME FOR THE UNIONS?
0: HERE'S WHAT uh, SHE WAS PRESSED BY ON THIS BY CHRIS WALLACE YESTERDAY. Uh, DR. WALENSKY, CUT 24.
4: BUT TO JUST PRESS ON THIS ISSUE, GIVEN YOUR CDC GUIDELINES, IF YOU HAVE
5: PROPER MITIGATION IN PLACE, IS THERE ANY REASON WHY A PUBLIC SCHOOL DISTRICT needs to shut down for the better part of a year
1: so in um we need to make sure that the the k-5 schools and the density is down and part of the reason they haven't been able to open is because we hadn't previously had the science in order to inform how to open safely we didn't have the data and now and prior we didn't have any guidance as to how to do it safely so we are really um anticipating that with this guidance emerging that schools will be able to start opening
0: so you're just saying that's flat out not true It's not true.
14: September 17th, the CDC released guidance in schools. And by the way, it's been all over the place. The American Pediatric Association, most healthcare experts have had a unified voice. Our consensus in the medical community is stronger than our consensus about stopping smoking. I mean, that's how apparent it is and out in the open. So it's not true. Look, I feel bad for her. She's obviously caught between what the Biden folks want her to say. She's not speaking her mind. She's a good doctor. She was at Hopkins a while back. But what we're seeing now is sort of a a muzzled or muted CDC director talking about this topic. Does does she want to ground all airplanes? Because if you took the CDC guidelines for schools and applied it to airplanes, you wouldn't have air travel in the United States. And we know air travel is safe. The data has come in.
0: So I want to bring you to Rite Aid's uh, CEO, because it looks like Walgreens and Rite Aid and CVS are going to start getting this. And they have a recommendation for the people giving recommendations. Cut 32
6: i think the private sector is more experienced with these scheduling tools and registration tools which are very much stressed right now the private sector who build these tools and and scale these tools in the cloud uh, from a technology perspective would be the best people to help in this regard as well as with the call centers and i know that the governors are doing a wonderful job as best they can for example the the governor of new jersey putting their own call centers together and trying to do as much of this as they can. But the demand is so high that I do think the private sector can play a role here.
0: He's being gentle because the government's his client. But should we listen?
14: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it is a little comical to hear all the kind of pandering to the different stakeholders in that thing, isn't it? But. Look, just ship the vaccine to the places that give vaccines routinely every year. We give 90 million flu shots like that. Just give them the vaccine. You know, this bill that is floating around had $400 billion for COVID. How are you going to spend that when we don't have COVID anymore come April? I mean, given the current rate of decline, a 65% decrease in the last five weeks, we're going to have very little COVID by April, probably when the bill gets adjudicated How are you going to spend, now it's at $130 the latest version, how are you going to spend $130 billion on an infection that is barely even around? I mean, the mass vaccination centers are kind of a joke, right? Because you've got local pharmacies and grocery stores and dialysis centers and all these places that are good at vaccines are streamlined, they're set up. They're saying, just give us the vials, that's all we need. And then we're we're creating the Dodger Stadium, which... Which is kind of a farce, right? And does that really cost 130 billion?
0: I've read this. You know. Yeah, it is where we, we cannot spend this money. We don't know how to because it's such so unwieldy. As I've been telling our listeners, they have a number. You know how much money they spent on schools so far? Eight billion. You know how much they have? 68 billion. You know how much they're going to get? 200 billion. So they can't even. Sp- they make believe they didn't have guidelines. Now they have guidelines that you say are suffocating, and I agree with you. And now you're, they're saying money's the issue when they haven't spent the money we gave them, which we, by the way, put on a credit card. It, it's
7: nuts. <laughs> you,
14: you, you know what's going to happen to that money. You know it, and I know it, Brian, is it's going to go to wealthy stakeholders in healthcare? It's going to go to these large institutions that are just going to be given these giant allotments, COVID will be gone, mostly gone, not completely, not extinguished, mostly gone, and they're just going to pocket that money. And that is the corrupt machine of government spending.
0: Dr. Macari, always great talking to you. Thanks for just laying it on the line and letting the chips fall where they may. Appreciate it. All right, Brian, good talking to you. All right, uh, back with your calls, uh, 1-866-408-7669.
2: Expanding your
11: knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From his mouth to to your ears, ears,
2: it's Brian Kilmeade.
9: Yeah, very it good. Was like it was just like a movie. was just like a
2: when we were
0: Wow, so that is Kellyanne Conway's controversial daughter, Claudia Conway. I would say controversial because they've been in the news a lot lately. That on American
13: was, Idol? Yep, that was her on American Idol. Um so guess what it should be time for?
0: I think this time to see if we should know more more
2: to know sponsored by Oxford Gold Group call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account 833-600-GOLD that's eight three three six hundred 600 gold
0: I thought she was really good I thought she sounded good, didn't you?
13: I agree, I actually went seeing the promos I thought she was going to be far worse So I was pleasantly surprised.
0: Wow. So, I mean, you need a high profile. You need a reason to watch. Everybody knows Kellyanne Conway. So here we find out now, you said, if she's going to Hollywood. Let's listen.
1: There's a lot of noise in your life. You have to calm the storm that is around you. Meaning, before you sing, you need to get off your phone. You need to stop reading your comments. Push it aside. Because if not... You may not ever rise above your dad or your mom. It's your choice. Let's take a vote. Claudia, not going to DC, honey. You're going <laughs> straight to Hollywood. <laughs> I made it. I'm going to Hollywood. Yes.
0: Well, <laughs> oh, you're going to Hollywood. Oh, so proud of you. We love you so much, Steve. We're really proud of you. Love
13: you. Mom. I love you. <laughs> That's interesting. Wow. So she's got, I mean, it seems like it's a nice little PR thing for all of the Conways too, though. I mean, um, George was with her at the auditions and then Kellyanne was via video, but everyone oh, really? was very happy and loving. Yeah,
0: right. George is in the middle of the Lincoln Project. I wonder if he's going to come out unscathed. I hope not. He seems like a terrible person, but she's got to turn off her phone, not
13: read the comments. Which not I, be
0: an influencer.
13: Well, I would say that's probably a good piece of advice for America. <laughs> that's true. Next, but yeah.
0: Netflix reportedly working on its on its own documentary about Britney Spears as the New York Times investigation rocks fans worldwide. This is a mania because not many people can figure out why she still needs somebody else in control of her money. We watched to have a public
13: meltdown, but still, what's going on? This is a this is a huge this documentary is huge, by the way, right? It is all over the place which I haven't gotten to see it yet but I will say there's something about Britney Spears that people always either love her or love to hate her but the attention that she gets no matter what is always through the roof.
0: But here's the thing, Lindsay Lohan I think is 50/50. She is Britney Spears is a non-confrontational character. I think people I think most people like her. Evidently, Justin Timberlake dated her. You never told me this, Allison. But um, how do you apologized. not know that,
13: Brian?
0: <laughs> he apologized for his treatment of women in general, including Janet Jackson, which is a whole different talking point. But evidently, the New York Times released on Hulu this month, framing Britney Spears. And now Netflix is doing their own. Bottom line is, she should be at her age in control of her own money. I don't care if she's good at finance or not. It has nothing to do with it. You have the right to lose everything. That's the great thing about this country. Well,
13: you do as long as you're mentally competent, right? It would be sad if, you know, she's not, which I didn't see the documentary, but... And then she loses everything. Then someone should have been there to make sure she's okay.
0: But how many people have maxed out their credit cards and then called up the company and go, "I'm mentally incompetent <laughs> to really be responsible. People to call pay in. this back. Yes, call in and I, tell Brian. Right. I'm missing. A, I'm missing a uh, a part of my DNA that says I should stop spending. Next, Cardi B sparks Valentine's Day debate after saying men should spend more money on women. The issue that the rapper posted on Twitter is raising a lot of debate. The artist caught a lot of backlash on social media using. Users who disagreed that her stance on the matter believed instead the couple should spend an equal amount uh, on that. Despite the backlash, Cardi B doubling down on this controversial belief. So due to a V Day tweet, men came out on, on my Twitter roasting me, saying, uh, "But you bought your man a Lambo, which is sort of a Lamborghini, I believe." But remember, I got five hundred fifty thousand dollar ring. She says on her left hand. And a uh, $400,000 ring on her right. So I can't relate to one part of this story.
13: (laughs) But do you agree or disagree that men should pay more on Valentine's Day for
3: gifts?
13: (laughs) Did I stump you? Hmm. You can solve the problems in Syria, but you can't answer this question?
0: I pass. Next. (laughs) Americans say being able to cook is the best dating quality... One poll of 2,000 Americans finds the top trait people, people look for in a potential partner, is whether they're good at cooking. 63%. This tasty quality edged out other options like someone I can trust and someone who makes me laugh. That, you picked out 2,000 odd people. 72% of respondents said they were more interested in a potential partner who loved to cook. And 61% said they would consider it a turn-on if their partner could cook well. How about a, I'm a great reheater? Is that a turn on? That's the question only you out there can answer.
11: From the Fox News Podcasts Network.
3: I'm Ben Dominich, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Dominich Podcast.
11: Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the
2: Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so
0: much for listening, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade coming to you from around the country, heard around the world. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Happy President's Day. While you call in at certain segments throughout the show, maybe one in 12 minutes, 15 minutes, I'd like to know who your favorite president is and why. Many will say Donald Trump and many will not. Like, for example, Mitch McConnell. Uh, I'm pretty sure he will not say that. But I want to jump to conclusions. I haven't interviewed him in a while. Then again, I saw a speech on Saturday. Uh, kind of weird. Uh, Ken Starr is coming up shortly to talk about the latest impeachment. We have one every year now. And Brett Baer at the bottom of the hour bring us inside Washington on a time in which... The Capitol is still surrounded by thousands of National Guard members guarding absolutely no one. Congress is not in session for 10 days. This has already cost us a half billion dollars. You know the National Guardsmen that the president was threatened for calling out to protect the White House? Now they're indispensable, according to Nancy Pelosi. And we cannot see the intelligence that she sees that has them stay there. I think these states got to call their men and women back. Let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three.
3: Uh, Well, what's interesting right now is that you have a lot of Democrats in the New York state legislature going after him. They're calling for his emergency powers to be revoked. So things are a little bit different where you're seeing members of his own party uh, and other allies uh, taking their shots on behalf of these families. That
0: is Lee Zeldin, a Republican from Long Island, talking about Governor Andrew Cuomo has never seen this much political peril and never been in this much trouble. Bipartisan calls for him to strip him of his emergency powers and to investigate his handling of these nursing homes. He downplayed the effects. He downplayed what he did. He blamed the federal government. And now in a Zoom call that was exposed by a fellow Democrat, he is in trouble for a cover up
1: number two so what we know from the from the literature from the scientific literature is that most disease transmission does not happen in the walls of the school it comes in from the community there's very limited um, transmission between students between students and staff
0: that is dr rochelle walensky she is now the new cdc director most transmission does not transfer in schools teachers don't need to be vaccinated we have been saying this forever and new interest in china and the WHO, and how they still have not come to the tell us the truth, maybe they don't know in the WHO, about how this virus started. Among the people who are outraged in speaking out, Boris Johnson.
4: Number one. President Trump is still liable for everything he did while he was in office. Didn't get away with anything yet.
5: I voted to convict President Trump because he is guilty.
0: Wow. Uh, that is... A little of the backlash Republicans gave the President of the United States. Seven voted against him, including uh, Dr. Cassidy, the senator from Louisiana. Picking up the pieces, impeachment leaves no winners. We will look at what happened and where Trump and the Republicans uh, go from here. And now it's time to welcome uh, into the show uh, Ken Starr. There's few people to talk to right now who are uh, uh, better to talk about impeachment, what we've been through, what we've seen, and how bizarre it is and how commonplace it is. Ken, welcome back.
12: Hey, thank you, Brian. Good to be with you.
0: First off, was this necessary? The impeachment no. we just got through.
12: <laughs> Sorry to cut you off and interrupt your question. No, emphatically uh, not. Everyone disapproves of, of completely of January sixth. A lot of people call the president's uh, judgment into question, but let's face it: this was a uh, an unlawful trial. The impeachment, the snap impeachment, was at least constitutional. It was not; it was within the House's power. I think they ran roughshod over due process values and so forth, and they ended up shooting themselves in the foot. If they really had wanted a conviction, then they should have uh, done the job much more thoroughly. What did the president know? When did he know? It? Uh, the issue of the Kevin McCarthy call, which came out very late. Uh, uh, on Saturday, et cetera, came out publicly, uh, and that obviously would trouble uh, most reasonable people. Uh, but it, it, the trial was uh, unconstitutional from beginning to end because of the simple reason that he was no longer the president of the United States, as symbolized <laughs> Brian, but the fact that the chief justice of the United States was not presiding over the trial which is required by the Constitution for I mean, a prospect.
0: I don't know how he stayed up. He looked exhausted. I couldn't understand one word he was saying, Senator uh, uh, Leahy. And the other thing is <laughs> yeah. he already came out and said the president should be impeached. Can you imagine having a judge like that, Ken? And actually, I, I can't wait to have you back, too. I know you have a book coming out, Religious Liberty in Crisis. Uh, you can go and pre-purchase it now. You know it's going to be well-researched and excellent and uh, raise this conversation uh, so, Ken, we'll talk about that, too, especially when it comes out. Thank you. But But I want you to hear some Thank of the backlash from Republicans, starting with Mitch McConnell. Cut one.
4: Yeah. President Trump is still liable for everything he did while he was in office. Didn't get away with anything yet. Yeah.
5: His actions to interfere with the peaceful transition of power, the hallmark of our Constitution and our American democracy were an abuse of power. I voted to convict President Trump because he is guilty.
0: So seven votes against him. Um, And then Mitch McConnell's speech at the end. That's pure politics. I know you're the legal guy, but what was he getting at? I don't understand his purpose. Of saying that at the end, he could feel anything the way he wants, but why vote the way he voted and then rant against the president and an invite an investigation and legal peril? Why would he do that?
12: Well, I think I don't know. Uh, obviously, I'm not inside his mind, but he did make it clear on the, the impeachment process that that was unconstitutional, and I wish that had been more influential uh, with. Uh, The entire Republican community of 50 votes, uh, I was so optimistic that as they continued to reflect on the text of the Constitution, it's about removal, on the relevant history, which is Richard Nixon, that they would come to the view that this is unconstitutional. I think that the House managers, for their failure to establish uh, the president's culpability in terms of inciting an insurrection – They did get people really riled up, really riled up. And it may very well be that that phone call, the conversation with Kevin McCarthy uh, when the Capitol was under siege and so forth, may have been a little bit of a last straw for Mitch McConnell. Uh, But he's also being within the Constitution in in this sense, that the Constitution – Impeachment is to remove someone and perhaps disqualify, was misused as, as a tool. But the Constitution also makes it clear that the president, the former president, now has to face whatever consequences may flow. So I think there's just a lot of anger directed at the former president, with all due respect, that he could have called this thing off, even though, of course, there was pre-planning and we know all that. But uh, uh, I I don't know. My theory is when I heard about that, they were going to call Kevin McCarthy as a witness. And then they substituted in essentially the statement, this is what was said (laughs) in that phone call uh, by the president. And this is at six o'clock at night. Uh, Then uh, I, I think at that point, it's more understandable to me that there would have been just deep-seated mm. anger. You had a responsibility, Mr. President, to call this right. off, at least to try. Yeah.
0: Well, well, if it, what did in fact happen, Kevin McCarthy should be madder because uh, then he was the one who heard it. And he actually went and they evidently exchanged words when the president said it, if it is true that this is Antifa. And he says, no, they're your people here. I'm seeing them. They're your people. So they got heated, but they went and made up. You know Why? Because what's, he, what's the objective, Ken? It's like you cannot yeah. have a blow-up with your quarterback and expect him to play great for you on Sunday, even if he was wrong. He's <laughs> your quarterback. You need to win, right?
12: Right. You do need to win in terms of politics. But let's face it, Brian, this was so extraordinary. The capital being breached and so forth, and so much incompetence. We never should have had the impeachment process to begin with. That's the fundamental uh, takeaway. And I think now, I think most of us would say, I certainly would say, uh, the president at some point, And I was totally supportive of all the litigation, including I supported the Texas Attorney General's litigation, which was truly uh, sort of last minute. But once the Electoral College had cast uh, the ballots uh, on January 6th on that same same day, or I should say earlier when it was cast uh, in in December, at that stage, it really was over. So uh, in any event, this Mm -hmm. is going to... I think, be filled with recriminations within the Republican Party for quite some time.
0: But will there be – is the president in legal peril right now from the January 6th?
12: I think it's too soon to tell because we just don't know all the darn facts. And that's, again, the snap impeachment, right? We needed to know more of the facts then, then we had, exactly what was going on, what was the pre-planning and so forth. And so I think there's going to be what? There's a suggestion that we need a commission mm-hmm. <laughs> to Finally. explore okay. all this. So there was this rush to judgment, the snap impeachment. And by the way, one of the really extraordinary things, Brian, as you know, is the House impeachment, then they sat on the article of impeachment and didn't march it over to the Senate for days on end. And that, to me, was an indication that this was all political as opposed to a genuine effort to impeach and remove the president from office. They well, let him resign back, let him retire.
0: Uh, Judge he, yeah. he, Nancy Pelosi came back and said, well, he wasn't going to convene the Senate to the 19th. So it didn't matter. I didn't hold it. I waited for them to come back. I don't know. Do you buy that?
12: No, of course not. This is the impeachment of the sitting president. And if there is Brian, this, concerned about the January exception, right? That's the the House manager's theme. We can't create a January exception. Well, that means it was an emergency. You needed to say, Senate, you need to be, it's your call, but you have the duty to be back in session, and we're going to march this uh, uh, Mm -hmm. over uh, to you as soon as you uh, convene. The Senate could have come right back into session. There's no question.
0: So I want you to hear what Lindsey Graham said yesterday. I thought he was by far the best interview and the most candid, where he wasn't excusing anyone. But his greatest line was, I'd like to win, that means with Liz Cheney, with Mitch McConnell, with Donald Trump. But he went on to say this, cut nine.
6: He's the first president to ever impeach, be impeached without a lawyer, without a witness, without our ability to confront the those against him. And the trial record was a complete joke, hearsay upon hearsay, and we've opened Pandora's box. To future presidents. And if you use this model, I don't know how Kamala Harris doesn't get impeached if the Republicans take over the House because she actually bailed out rioters, and one of the rioters went back to the streets and broke somebody's head open. So we've opened Pandora's box here, and I'm sad for the country. Is he right?
12: He is absolutely right. It's one of the things I warned about in being part of the president's legal team back in impeachment number one. This is a very dangerous tool. This is a dangerous president. We're talking about their phone call, right, with President Zelensky of the Ukraine. This is just very dangerous. If you want to censure the president, let's have a conversation about that. But let's stop this rush to impeachment. And, of course, it was a super rush this time. It is a Pandora's box. I agree with every word that Senator Graham said, including the potential danger to, uh, to Vice President
0: Harris. And you know, Ken, it's boring. These, these impeachment things are boring. They are so redundant. <laughs> and they, I don't know who they're speaking to because, you know, they, I hear these senators are not even sitting in their seats. They're doodling, walking around. Uh, I mean, and they don't show us them. And then at home, we're busy. It's Saturday at 2 in the afternoon. I'm, and I'm listening to the same people, <laughs> just, just people say the same thing, just different ways. So, I mean,
12: that's exactly right. we have so and, much to do was... in this country. Right. And it was so true of impeachment, one. It was even more so of impeachment, two. There was just more, of course, theatrics because of the deliberate effort by the House managers to inflame passions. And I think that's exactly what they set out to do, and they did it.
0: Well, Ken, I look forward to your book. Tell me how long you worked on it. It's called Religious Liberty in Crisis.
12: Yes, this has been a work in progress for probably 30 years, but now I think we see all-around threats to religious liberty, especially the free exercise of religion. We've seen it with the church closures and so forth, these governors uh, ordering things that are really quite, quite uh, unconstitutional in in my view. So it was time to write the book, and it will be out in April, but you can pre-order it now. So thanks for mentioning it, and I hope you'll have me back.
0: Absolutely, I'll pay the fee. Of course, we can't visit. You're gonna do the whole, maybe the tour on Zoom, but it makes it easier on your travel. <laughs> exactly. All <laughs> right, Ken. Thanks so much. Exactly hey, right. by the way, you in Texas?
12: Hey, Brian. Uh, I'm actually in Florida. We're babysitting uh, grandchildren, so we're. But uh, we've got lots of families suffering right now. It is, uh, you know, heard powers. it's terrible. Yeah, it's it's really a terrible. This is record-shattering uh, cold. So talk about climate change, boy. We're feeling it in Texas.
0: Yeah, no, no, no about global warming, but it's uh, it's icy in uh-huh. Texas right now. Ken, yeah, thanks absolutely.
12: so much. Hey, Brian, thank you. God bless.
0: You, you got it. one 408 7669 When we come back, you're going to hear an exchange that took place yesterday that not many people have focused on because no one watches CBS's streaming news service. We caught this and you'll hear when we come back.
2: Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade.
11: From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him. You love him. You want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
2: A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
0: Hey, welcome back, everybody. As I promised you... Uh, there's a great, uh, there's a great soundbite. I think this is just great confrontation. CBSN or CBS SN, it's their streaming service. I'm not saying it's not good quality. I'm just saying most people don't even listen to it. Don't even know it exists. But uh, Donald Trump's lawyer has been his lawyer team. They've been trying to be threatening his law firm. They graffitied his house, death threats to him personally, over a hundred. Let alone his social media presence. He is outraged, and it, you all should be outraged. I'm talking about the biggest liberal or the most uh, biggest Trump hater. You cannot start vilifying lawyers for defending people. Michael Vanderveen was on CBSN, and he's on with a. Uh, an anchor who seems like fine, but just definitely had that same attitude. Let's listen.
10: Let, let's follow up with uh, with a point that you're making right now about the house managers, as you say,
6: doctoring evidence and uh, and the arguments they didn't de- they uh, to didn't be clear deny for our viewers,
10: They didn't deny it. Uh, to I put it in front of them to three times. To be clear times. for our viewers, wh- what you're what you're talking about now is is a check mark. Uh, that's a verification on Twitter that, that did not exist on that particular tweet, uh, a 2020 that should have actually read 2021, um, and the selective editing you say of, of the tapes is that how, is wait, that wait, the document evidence wait, 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 of what you're speaking? Wait,
3: that's not enough for you. That's not enough for you? No, I, I, wait 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 no sir, no no. I'm trying listen, I, I am not a listen, juror
6: in this trial. What I am trying to all, be clear for our viewers is what you actually, is what you're we, referring we found, to because no, not no, everybody no, has found, been following. It's
14: not okay no, not everybody, to doctor sir, a respectfully, little bit of evidence respectfully. 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 I, have not not is, question, I have not said it is I have not said it
6: is okay. Ma'am, your question is I want turned. to be clear for our viewers. Listen, what has I want to be clear for viewers about what exactly you're saying when you say doctored evidence.
12: The media has to start telling the right story in this country. The media is trying to divide this country. You are bloodthirsty for ratings. And as such, you're asking questions now that are already uh, uh, set up with a fact pattern. I can't believe you would ask me a question indicating that it's all right just to doctor a little bit of evidence.
0: I mean, it went on. And do you understand his frustration? They're like, can you possibly ask a question without being smug and dismissing? They were messing with timelines. Dates mattered. Things were taken out of context. And that was, unless you watched date hours, you probably would have missed that. It's unbelievable. But I'm going to play you something else from Rand Paul that plays to the same thing that I hope other people take them up on
11: One of the things we'll be uh, calling for in the the G7 is a global coordination in uh, getting to the bottom of what happens with these diseases. So when you have a zoonotic uh, plague, uh, like coronavirus, we need to know exactly how it happened. Indeed, if it's it's zoonotic, if it really originated uh, from uh, human contact with uh, the animal kingdom. That's what is asserted. But we need to know exactly what happened. Was it in a, in a wet market? Did it come from uh, the bats? Were the bats associated with the, the pangolins? All these questions are now matters of uh, speculation. Uh, we need to see the data. We need to see all the evidence. So I, I thoroughly support what President Biden has said about that.
0: Well, it's so interesting that Boris Johnson, Prime Minister of England, talking like Donald Trump and the WHO is being called out by Jake Sullivan. A key aid to President Biden, just like Mark Meadows, just like the Secretary of State Pompeo, just like this guy named President Trump. When you brought up the China virus, they say it doesn't really matter. Why are people bringing that up? Because it came from China. Why are you dropping out of the WHO? Because they kowtowed at China? Because during the Bush years, they named this guy Tetros there, and we didn't object. We were focused on wars. It's okay. I'm not blaming President Bush. It was a fact. So he gets there because of China. He therefore owes China. And therefore, when China says you can't come in, they say fine. They say, well, China's been totally transparent when you haven't even gotten to the lab. And then you handpick doctors and experts to go to the lab, and they don't have full access. And it's already been about a year. Now you have those elements. So Dr. Scott Gottlieb, who might be one of the best this entire time, was on CBS this morning, uh, on Sunday morning, cut 28.
1: What is it that China still has here that we need to know?
8: A lot of data. Well, first of all, they have antibody testing on the people who worked in that Wuhan lab. They didn't make that available. So you'd want to know if they have antibodies to the coronavirus. That would be an indication that maybe they they got infected. Now, those antibodies will, will wane over time, but you at least want to look at that data. We want to see sequencing data on retained samples from people who were admitted to the hospital in October and November with viral syndromes that looked like COVID to see if this infection was spreading earlier and try mm-hmm. to get closer to the source of the initial outbreak. That data is certainly available. The Chinese have that.
0: And CNN, in an exclusive, they're suddenly interested in the China origin. The lead investigator for the WHO, Peter Van Amberek, told CNN in a wide-ranging interview that the mission has found several signs of more wide-ranging 2019 spread, including establishing for the first time there was over a dozen strains of the virus in Wuhan already in... December of 2019, the team also had a chance to speak to the first patient Chinese officials said had been infected, an office worker in his 40s with no travel history. I'm sure that's the first one. Joining me now, Brett Baer, Special Report. His show is about to start in six hours and 20 minutes. Uh, Brett, why suddenly this interest in China and the oranges of the virus from Boris Johnson to Jake Sullivan?
10: Well, I think they know that this is all coming to a head. They know that uh, that the WHO saying don't look over here at the shiny thing is not going to cut it and um, eventually it's going to come out and the fact that they're being public about it suggests to me that maybe they know it's about to uh, some way somehow. Um, there's a lot of things that we don't know um, but we're just starting to get bits and pieces. And I just know from talking to people both sides of the aisle, uh, you know, months right when it started, uh, that they truly believed that China knew a ton more. And there was uh, a lot of suspicion about that lab.
0: It's amazing how on the money Tom Cotton was. He said right away, stop the travel. They said he was crazy. Trump did it a week later. And then they said, "This what, why is that lab located right where this happened in a wet market? There is a lab right there. How could this be unrelated to that lab? And they said they, "They. he got rebuked by every government, especially the Chinese government, for irresponsible actions. It's all coming there. It's all going to that direction.
10: Yeah, it is. And and despite the efforts of, you know, this, <laughs> it, let's just call it what it is. I mean, it was not an investigation. It was kind of like a drive-by by the WHO. And then they say, you know, it's unlikely and stop looking at it. Uh, well, that's, you know, not going to happen. And I think it's only increased the, um, the interest in trying to find out the origins.
0: Brett bear with us here. Uh, Brett, congratulations on your event. It was great. We had to, you had to do all types of audibles, uh, but we put together that panel in all, in five separate studios. How did everything go over the weekend with the live auction yeah. and everything?
10: thank you very much for being a part of it. Um, it was great. It was uh, still ongoing. The auction is, uh, wrapping up at 5 PM today, but as of this hour, we're at uh, $620,000. So, uh, that's a huge number. We didn't think we were going to get past, you know, three, three fifty uh, in a COVID fundraiser. Uh, so thanks to all the people who were a part yeah. of it. And, um, who donated because uh it's it's really going to help children's national a lot it's the biggest fundraiser this year
0: wow uh so if people want to still bid can you still bid on the sound yeah
10: till 5 p.m 5 p.m monday um there's a bunch of great items some some good deals some of them are are going up quickly um but and i noticed your zoom is is taking off here it's um it's de- definitely getting some attention
0: so you get to zoom with me now bread what do i usually charge you when you want to zoom with me over the weekend do you remember oh well, we have
10: we have that monthly
0: oh it's a charge. monthly plan
10: yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> i did not know you i signed up for the monthly with you or you signed up with the yeah, monthly with me right, right. that's right i forgot because I get you and Britt mixed up because you usually follow each other. You just tend to have the same right after I hang over with Fred. It's I'm like, hey, Britt, what do you need to talk about? Um,
10: what do I need to talk about? I, I tell you what, the uh, we have Brit on tonight. And uh, one of the things we're talking about mm-hmm. is uh, the next stops of what this Biden administration is going to try to do. And, you know, now that impeachment is kind of in the rearview mirror, uh, you've got a lot of things that – They've got to get consensus on, and, and they're not there yet.
0: Guns? They're coming for your guns, and they're coming for immigration. Those are the two things.
10: Yeah, and they've got to get a COVID bill through where they're trying to do minimum wage. That's going to be really hard with Manchin and Cinema already saying, we don't, we don't think it should be in there. Um, that and, means it's
0: not getting in there. It's, it won't pass. Yeah,
10: right. And I think, um, you know, you're going to have a hard time Doing sweeping immigration. We've seen that for administrations on end um, uh, trying to do that. But I think around the edges, there are things that can be done. The question is, you know, if they're really into getting the things done that people agree on, or they're into, you know, hitting for the fences and trying to jam it through. I'm thinking it's the latter, just looking at um, what they've dealt with so far.
0: Brad, when you see things like 1.7 trillion dollars unspent when you see they want 250 billion or 100 billion dollars for schools and they've only spent four to six of the 60 they have 68 they have i mean this doesn't make any sense you, you no. i mean it's not it, it sounds stupid to say this but it's absolutely true in a big organization it's hard to spend money a lot of times so yeah they can't and, get it out of you, the chute
10: exactly And, you know, to to then authorize another, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars uh, is really, really something. If you think about it, this is the issue that it's going to be a big problem. I've already seen a number of progressives write big pieces about how they're critical of uh, Biden administration policy on getting kids back to school. And, um, you know, that's got to be a priority because eventually that's, you know, it's going to be causing more and more problems across the board.
0: Dr. McCary was just on with us and said they're way too strict. If you go by these policies, these kids are never getting back to school, ever, uh, in public school. And the one symptom will be if you can afford it, these private schools, these Catholic schools are going to benefit. Because these parents don't, you know, Democrat and Republican parents want one thing. Their kids in school and they see the atrophy and they're going to react.
10: Well, I've talked to some um, Catholic and private schools that have seen their, their um, people wanting to come in exponentially explode. I mean, um, it, you go to where you, you find out who's doing it, you know, who can get your kid to school, and, um, and they're doing it. So, you know, and some people are stretching to be able to do that, you know, to be able to put their kid in private school uh, as opposed to public school. So it's it's a huge issue. And it, it affects it doesn't matter what your party is. It affects everybody.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, if you're working class, I mean, I was talking to one of our colleagues to get into kindergarten, you know, first or kindergarten through eighth, 50,000 a year. I mean, that's ridiculous. I, I can't 50,000 a year. I mean, that that's more than I mean, I think my college was about 20,000 or not even. Yeah. It was like 15. I mean, 50,000 to learn to spell and color is unbelievable, but you can't do that. But others, you know, if it's 7,000, you can do a payment plan and you say, I see my kid wasting away, you might do that. And then when they come home and there's maybe more discipline, more follow-up, more of a family atmosphere, yeah. maybe you fact, they factor in a religion, they never thought you were gonna get in school and they see these kids mature, or they're wearing uniforms. This might have the wrong effect for these unions that they want, but we'll see. I wanna- No, that's true. So uh, last thing, I just want to see you talk about the future of the Republican Party. I was struck when Nikki Haley came out before the final vote was taken and said, let's be honest, the president has let us all down with his actions at the end, essentially breaking with him. Lindsey Graham, who was probably the best interview over the weekend, said this, cut 19.
6: So, no, Nikki's wrong about President Trump. Uh, North Carolina, the biggest winner, I think, of this whole impeachment trial is Laura Trump. My dear friend Richard Burr, who I like and and have been friends to a long time, just made Laura Trump almost a certain nominee for the Senate seat in North Carolina to replace him if she runs. And I'll certainly be behind her because I think she represents the future of the Republican Party.
0: And he went on to say that President Trump is a handful. No doubt about it. But you're not going to win. He goes, I want to win. And we can't win without him. And and that's what he's focused on. He said he's got to win. You can't win without him. You can't win without you know, Liz Cheney's faction. And you got to find a way to Mitch McConnell. they got to find a way to, to patch over or do, Democrats are going to have even more dominance in 2022.
10: Yes. And I think that that's going to be really the story uh, heading into 2022. You know, look at Mitch McConnell's speech on the floor after the impeachment oh. vote. He obviously voted to acquit, uh, but that speech was stinging. And, um, and it's of the mindset of Nikki Haley, uh, of the same same you know vein. I Listen, Brian, you can't take away from the things that happened on January 6th. And despite being acquitted... There are things that the president did and did not do, said or did not say that are real problems, I mean, and cannot be ignored. Um, and the question is whether the Republican Party does or doesn't. If they go towards the Lindsey Graham way, they'll be ignoring those things and decide that that's more important. Um, if they go the Nikki Haley way, they'll say, no, we need to stand for this and um that day changed the dynamic.
0: Yeah. And I, I I don't know if you even know this, but I've never excused the president for January 6th. I think the president, as he acted after election were the worst moment of his political career, I just, there's just no way about it. And that, that is saying that the mail-in voting, there are issues in these States that, that uh, legal minds and election experts have problems with. I get it. But the way he handled it could not have been worse. And that even to have the January 6th event, uh, was ill-advised, especially the location. Uh, but we also know in reading the Time Magazine article it had Trump won. They had planned massive riots in almost every major city. Because when it looked like they won, they basically told these guys to sit down. If anyone has not read that, it's 22 pages about, read it. Uh, because you know, it's the, worth reading. Yeah, the efforts that they put behind the scenes with various organizations to make sure they claim, air quotes, that Trump didn't do something to subvert democracy as opposed to make sure he won. But you read the whole thing. It's worth it. But they were planning riots in that story. They, they were going to have huge demonstration had Trump won. And then they said, stand down. It looks like we won. You know, so um, having said that, it's like this. I'll give you the best example. It never happens to you. But let's say your bureau chief in Washington Bureau was giving you a hard time, made everything hard to get anything done. You have an answer. You go, I, I love doing special report. I'm going to do it. Or you could say, listen, I can't deal with it. I'm out. What's your objective? To do a great hour show. And that should be your right. focus. What does it take to get that hour done? What does it take to do the election coverage? I, that's the thing that you have a bad coach, a bad ref, a bad field. Well, what is it going to take to win? That's my final yeah. thought. I'm not saying to gloss over what, how Trump acted at the end. I'm saying if you look at his four-year report card, he did exactly what you wanted As a conservative Republican, just wanted you to get your wrap up on that.
10: Yeah, yeah. No, I I hear what you're saying. Uh, I just think that it's going to take a heavy lift to get January 6th behind the Republican Party. Uh, And that is splitting the Republican Party. And that's the big story ahead of 2022. Had the Democrats and the House managers charged Trump not with just incitement, the one charge they did, but charged him with dereliction of duty, and how he handled it afterwards, um, they likely would have gotten an impeachment, or at least made made a a, a case with more Republicans.
12: Yeah, so yeah. Uh,
10: yeah. I think it's it's going to be a fascinating thing. But you're right, winning is where the Republican Party is, and, and finding out where its soul is where its principles are, is what we're going to find out ahead of 2022.
0: Right. And then confirming they have one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Exactly. uh, All right, Fred. uh, Thanks so much. It was great being a part of your event. Congratulations. That's a huge number.
10: Yeah, it was awesome. And if anybody wants to bid ahead of 5 p.m., do it. Uh, But then I'm not going to talk about it for a long time because we were (laughs) a success.
0: Thanks to all of you. So thanks. Go get them. Back in a moment. A
2: radio show
0: of the people, for the people.
2: You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. It was reported that a 117-year-old nun in France has survived coronavirus. And she's actually starting to get insulted that God doesn't want to
0: meet her.
13: Come on, that was funny, Brian.
0: <laughs>
13: you have they—they they actually did a funny joke. Really? No.
0: Uh, I don't know. I'm—I don't—I don't know if I'm capable of laughing at that show anymore. You just You're, laughed
13: at them over the Jets earlier in the show. Right, that's
0: true. Hey, the—I know you want to play Saturday Night Live, so I—I I give it. Maybe people at home were laughing, so maybe that they're more important than me. But I want you to hear this, Rand This is going to be the future of Republicans. If they want to be treated fairly, they got to let these hosts know they have to be somewhat balanced in the way they are approached. I want you to bring what I just played before with, with Trump's lawyer just blew up at the CBS anchor. Now listen to Rand Paul a few weeks ago. This is the future of the Sunday shows. And we do need to see if we can uh, restore confidence in the elections.
3: Well, 75% of Republicans agree with you because they were fed a big lie by President Trump and his supporters who say the election was stolen. Why can't you say President Biden won the you Well, I think where you make, I think, a, I think where you make a mistake,
0: in, uh, hey, George, 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 where you make a mistake is that people coming from the liberal side like you. You immediately say everything's a lie instead of saying there are two sides to everything. Historically, what would happen is if I said that I thought there was fraud, you would
6: interview someone else who said there wasn't. But now you insert yourself in the middle and say that the absolute fact is that everything I'm saying is a lie.
0: Because they're giving opinion in the question. You could come back at him and say this is what the evidence says. But why do you come in good to a conclusion and yell at him to, to agree with you? And they give the other person on the other side a walk in the park. That's got to stop. And I think Rand Paul showed Republicans the way. Brian Kilmeade show.
11: From the Fox News Podcasts Network. In these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.